2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. Hey, Me and Brad have been hammering out these intros today. And Hammer! Boy, are they going well.
4: And we were talking about MC Hammer.
3: Yeah, we were just <clears throat> talking with one of our guests about MC Hammer. How about that? Yeah. So, How
4: about MC Hammer? There's a
3: little preview. Do you, have
4: any, do you have anything to say about MC Hammer?
3: No, I went to a bar, bar mitzvah once and for this <laughs> super rich kid, and they were, everyone was like, MC Hammer's going to play at <laughs> this bar mitzvah. And an MC Hammer impersonator showed up <laughs> and tried to convince us that he was MC Hammer. And we were like, you're definitely not MC Hammer. And you know, MC Hammer had like the line shaved in his head. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why don't you have the line?" He had them like, he had them like drawn out. I was like, why don't you have the line shaving your head? He's like, oh, I'm like doing a movie role right now. No like he had way. all the, and he was just lying to a bunch of 13 year olds. Wait,
4: so was the kid whose bar mitzvah it was, was he trying to like fake everybody out? Yes. That's really awesome and
3: everyone's like i think that might be the real one i said like, it was like it didn't even look like him. <laughs> i was like yeah it's like a black guy in like <laughs> huge hammer pants which is cool and he, like i think he lip sang hammer i'm sure he's like a good performance but it's like just be up front like don't lie to me i know i'm like a kid but i'm not like an idiot i haven't thought about this literally since i was 13
4: it is it is pretty awesome yeah i wonder if there's video i don't know. Ba-na-na-na.
3: No, no. Don't hurt him. They didn't hurt him. Please, Hammer. hammer.
4: He didn't hurt him, did he? Don't hurt him. Did he hurt him?
3: No. I don't know. I'm not sure what we're talking about. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we did. We just talked about um, Empty Hammer a lot. So stay tuned for that episode (laughs) coming up in a few months. It's a little teaser. Uh, However, today on the episode, we have on Francis and Mark um, from a band called Hop Along, and we were joined by a guest guest editor. Guest host, Dan Ozzy from Noisy.
4: We need a guest editor. We do
3: need a guest editor. Um, and Edit all this
4: bullshit <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, this is a real Yeah, guys, hi. Uh, I'm your new editor here. I just came on board. I got to tell you, we're going to lose the intros. The intros are out. Yes. I'm going to go straight to the content. After three minutes of commercials, I've got you a new sponsor. <laughs> Adult diapers.
3: Oh, my God. It's a matter of time. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. Hop Along has gotten so much... So much press and um, acclaim on this record, so I'm sure you've heard it, but if you haven't heard their record, the new one is called um, Painted Shut, and uh, yeah, Rob, Saddle Creek put it out, Rob from Saddle Creek was here, also in the studio, we talked to him a little bit, and uh, yeah, the record's great, Francis' voice is amazing, all the music's great, and uh, I thought it was fun, because me and Mark ended up talking about Earth Crisis a lot, um, and I feel like he's really into metal and stuff, as you'll see. So I thought that was probably something that you don't hear in every, every hop-along interview. Maybe we even talked about it too much, although <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Listeners might. But what are you going to do?
4: What are you going to do? Um, we'll give you your money back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a free podcast. You don't like it, don't listen to it. That's I feel absolutely. like that's always what I say. It's
4: true. If you don't like it, just hop along <laughs> to the next one.
3: <laughs> wow. that sounds like something i would say that
4: was not on your level come on i know i actually
3: like that uh i had a really good actual twitter exchange um with puns with dan ozzy oh really um, i guess uh, yeah because you know dan's very buff and i said uh i wonder if dan ever mistakes um saying what did i say i don't want to fuck this up because this, this was actually really funny, I said, "I wonder if Dan Isaiah ever accidentally types reps instead of rips riffs when he's writing reviews." And then he wrote back, "Sometimes it just makes sets. Sorry, sense." So that's the kind of weight you're going to get from this podcast. <laughs> it's funnier when you read it. It's not as funny when you read it out <laughs> loud, especially when you f- fuck it up four times in a <laughs> row. <laughs> so, anyways, let's listen to Francis and Mark, uh, amazing sibling team from Hopalong
1: um hey how was babies last night great yeah um so i got kind of freaked out because i saw bully there and, oh really it was sold out i stood in the back yeah yeah and like all the sound got kind of like sucked out by the time it hit us because it was mm-hmm. so packed full of human sponges Thank you so but last well. night the house guy you know he was working he was doing a good job in the first two bands and then he'd never heard of us i don't nice. think and then the guy from the Mercury Lounge came, who does sound there, and he was a super big fan. So he just took over the mix and did an awesome job on the house, like he knew the record. Cool, yeah. So it went great.
0: On a separate note, are you are you flipping out about that uh, video of Miley Cyrus and Laura Jane Grace? Oh my Georgia? gosh! You
5: know it's so funny. Like, she, yeah, I am flipping out about it <laughs> because like that's an amazing cover. And then when it happened, um, I texted Laura because she.
4: It's it funny. a while ago. It, right? Well, it did
5: because
3: like a couple... A week ago
4: or more. She, I think they
3: taped it like a couple
5: months yeah, ago. because she writes a column for us. And um, one time I like wrote Laura and I was like, hey, like, are you going to have your column in by Thursday? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to make it. I'm recording a thing with Miley Cyrus. And I was like, oh, cool. Wait, what? Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? And then like, she was just telling me about it. And I was like, is she cool? She's like, oh, she gets it. Like, she's so cool. And then I was like, okay, cool. And I like was waiting for that. And then it dropped and I was like, you should do your column about this, about like, so, like how, cause I don't know, I've always been a fan of Miley Cyrus and I just love that like all these celebrities are being self-promotional right now with like title going on and she's like taking up, like she's using her platform for good, like to promote like LGBT causes. And like, I just really, I really admire her. I don't know, in a weird way. So, sorry. She really took no, hold of her fine. own identity. She did. And she, like, every, every like, criticism of her, she just, like, let it, like, bounce off of her. And I don't know. Um,
3: yeah. I love um, her. She's, like, responsible for, like, most of my sister's success. Yeah. That's
5: right. <laughs> <laughs> great, too. I it's forgot great. about that. Um, all right. Your we're... sister, by the way, like, her impression of her is so spot on, too. Because, like, she has that, like, Top of her mouth, kind of. Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> you, you know, like, we
3: worked on it for like we r- Really? it, yeah. Oh, before Milo was really popular. It's so spot on. Yeah, I didn't even know who when she first showed me that impression. I didn't even know who she was. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who this person is. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, sorry to. No, try. no problem. All right, we're here with Mark and Francis from Hopalong, and Dan Ozzie. Hey. And hey. Rob Nansel from Saddle Creek.
1: There he is. <laughs> the modest.
3: <laughs> so I wish,
1: modest. I wish facial expressions translated on radio. <laughs> I almost heard it. I'm going to get Rob to do a podcast
3: someday. It's going to happen. Sweet. Um, you guys, when did you roll into town? You you were here last week and then you came, now you're back?
0: Yeah, we did, we did rough trade a week ago and then we went up to Maine and basically came back down and okay. did New York again.
3: How was Maine? I love Maine. Yeah?
0: I love it so much. There's just something about the water up there. It's just, you know, not like... Jersey water at all, you know, the beach. What
5: are you trying to say? Bad mouth in Jersey? What are you saying? Oh, yeah. Did I introduce you? Yeah, I'm Okay. I, yeah, you I, did. I'm sort of omnipresent. He's introducing so. himself. It's fine. <laughs> and who are you, Jonah? I don't know. It doesn't
3: matter. Um me and Dan were talking before you guys got here. Um I feel think like I've heard a lot of people talk about your band lately, but the weird thing is I've heard, never heard I haven't heard anyone say anything negative about you guys. I feel like most of the time when like a lot of people talk talking about a band, like half the people are like shit talking them, being like I feel like everyone really likes you guys. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, Jonah Jonah does Jonah's it new it to I this mean, whole being like thing. I'm so used <laughs> to being like I like this and it's like, ugh, that sucks.
0: That's kind of funny because that um that Vulture piece went up mm-hmm. and they announced it on their Facebook and uh you know the title of the article is Is This the Best Voice in Rock and Roll? And then there's like 20 comments that are just like, nah.
1: <laughs> some of them were yeah. like nasty. Like, it's like hard
5: because when you when you write, like sometimes you want to write a hyperbolic headline like that because you know people will read it. But at the same time, you are definitely inviting people to be like, you don't
3: know but what I, you're talking about. I feel like comments don't count. Like the comments people commenting are like, yeah. like the yeah, like actual subhuman. people like
5: hop along from what I've found. Yeah. Like not internet people. Yeah.
0: It's just kind of scary because we're getting into that realm where, you know, we are sort of, we've been doing this for a while, so we have that protective fan base that I unfortunately probably take for granted. So when people that have never heard us before hear us, I'm, you know, it's almost like starting over. Well, we talked
5: about this a little bit the other day. This is when you guys released Get Disowned, which was your last album, your first album as a full band, really. Um, You really just kind of self-released that, and it went into the ethers and people sort of got into it but this is your first one that you're doing with like a proper label and it's on blogs and people react to it like how has it been sort of like getting feedback on a you know like you have a a release date like how has it been like getting that kind of response to a release
0: it's been surreal is the best way that i could put it when we played the first show at rough trade i just i felt like i was in such a a haze like you know doing an interview and and photographs and i mean the show was great and there were so many friends of ours there and fans that have been around for a while so that was really encouraging but it's just still so unfamiliar very unfamiliar i mean it's exciting it's like a whole other you know when we when we all started playing music the exciting new thing was touring and Mm -hmm. uh you know playing in front of people in the middle of nowhere for the very first time. And so now it's sort of shifting to uh, doing interviews with, you know, major publications yeah. and, you know, being reviewed by major sites and Rolling Stone and Pitchfork. I mean, that's the new...
5: What well, are you, familiar. I, the first time I met you I, was when I interviewed you. Well, I interviewed you um, early after we met and you didn't seem to be accustomed to the whole interview process. Like, are you... Are you worried that the media around it is gonna take away from the art that you make? Because I know you're very like art first focused type of person. Are you ever worried that it's like a distraction or it's gonna get in your head or
0: uh, I worry that I over describe because all in all, I mean, people are gonna take away from this record whatever they take away. I I should really have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know? So when I say what a song is about um, I mean, even I sometimes, you know, af- afterwards I think, well, that's not really what it's about, you know? I mean, there's, I really wouldn't want to try to spell anything out for anybody. And I know there's, there's times where I've listened to songs and felt so much. And then I've heard, I mean, there's songs that I loved and I didn't even have, I didn't have a lyric. So I misinterpreted the lyrics, but I loved my mm-hmm. misinterpretation right. more than when I found out what they actually were. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I think... You know, all these things are there for people who are really interested in finding out more, and that's that's cool. But overall, I mean, I don't think it'll, in the long term, I mean, I would like to think that the album will outlast mm-hmm. everything else around it if it's, you know, solid work.
5: So when you when you eventually start work on your next album, are, are you going to be thinking like, oh, like, this first one was well-received, but now I have to top that? Or what if people don't like this one? Or... Or we'll if people that. like this one better? Sorry.
0: Oh, yeah, we'll think that forever.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> every yeah. album is going to be like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think uh, it has to be a challenge, you know, you have to, because you have to improve. I mean, you have to grow with every record. I would, I would like mm-hmm. to think so.
5: Who? Um, it's funny because again, the first time that I saw you guys, you opened for the thermals. And the Thermals are a great example of a band who I love. I mean, I think they're great. Um, but they make the same album, more or less, for six, you know, six times. Um, and I love that album. Um, but then there are other artists that evolve, and those seem to be the ones who are like, oh, they have fans that are like, I only like this album better, or I like their new stuff, or I like their old stuff. Um, who's who's like an influential um, musician on you as far as like their career span not just like the music that they make
0: Um, you know I think like people use it a lot but the way that Dylan changed with like every single record is pretty unreal mm-hmm. I mean even um, you know and also Neil Young for sure I mean he made an album that was like all vocoder mm-hmm. right it was like for his son um, son has Says, um, it's, it's not cerebral palsy. It's.
3: I just read his biography. Yeah, he has. Yeah, you know, one of those. That's he does, like the Bridge School benefit. No. Yeah, I can't. Some I can't remember what it is. Yeah. But some yeah some either. serious disease.
0: But anyway, it, he he changed so much that it was almost detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't care. I mean, I, I think he. I guess he had all sorts of different reasons for doing, alms <laughs> the way he did them. Another band, I mean, Built to Spill, I think they have a certain, I don't want to call it a formula, but they do have a way of, like, you know, jamming. Like, you can you can tell that that's a band that, like, loves to jam, but they still, I don't know. I, I consider them, like, a kind of subtle, subtle, adventurous band. It's yeah. hard, because, I mean, there's bands that, I mean, one, some of my favorite bands only have two records or mm-hmm. one record.
5: Yeah. You're, like, a big Neutral Milk Hotel fan. Oh, right? yeah. I yeah. love that band. Right. that was another one, too. There was just, like, two... Two records. Yeah.
0: Mm. But even that one record was, like, a huge... Like, I read the 33 and a third about that record, and uh, Rob from Apples and Stereo uh, produced it, because he and Jeff Mangum, like, grew up together. And he was saying, like... I mean, the most beautiful thing in that whole book, he just said, like, I just wanted Jeff to be happy, Mm. like, when they made the record. But he had to talk him into, you know, doubling his voice here and there, because Jeff was, like, no doubling, like, Absolutely not. Um, so you had to talk him into that. And, like, you read that book and there's they're just these, like, really, really close friends, like, making these, like, loving compromises for each other to, like, make this record. I, I just thought that was really cool.
3: Did you see any of the shows since he started playing them?:
0: No. I'm I haven't loser. either. And
3: I, no, I really like those records, but for some reason, like, I didn't really care. Like, I didn't really need to see it or something.
0: I felt that way until everybody started telling me how phenomenal yeah. Those shows are. Yeah, I, I, had, I feel sort of silly.
1: I had that feeling about when the Blood Brothers came back around. Like I don't uh, know if I want to go see yeah, this. I loved them so man. much, and then I watched like the live video, and I was like, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I should have gone. It was I so actually, good.
5: Uh, Jeff Rosenstock asked to go with me to that one right down the block at Warsaw, and I didn't, and it looked amazing. Yeah. And then I walked out, and I got to see them at uh, Fun 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 Festival, and they mm-hmm. were unbelievable. Yeah. They like they hadn't lost. Uh, A second of
1: he's he's probably one of my favorite drummers yeah in music yeah he's he hits hard he's even his technique is great and he's so imaginative like his it's incredible what he's able to come up with with the parts they give him
5: that's funny that you have such a drummer's brain because i feel like everybody who looks at blood brothers obviously is going to be like commenting on the dual singers
1: well, yeah, and even that is so like the way they work is so percussive in nature. It's crazy. That's why I like that band so much. The guitar playing like is super percussive. You know, it's really hard hitting. I I, I will love that band forever.
5: I love every record. So this brings up um, an interesting point, which is that you, Mark, grew up on a lot of hardcore records, yeah. and you were doing a lot of hardcore bands. And Francis was not into that. <laughs> um, so growing up in the same household, like. Did you guys ever overlap with Musical.ly? Or?
1: Well, my uh, Iowa 6... We should six... mention,
5: by the way, that Mark and Francis are brother and sister. I don't know if that no. we've established that dynamic No, we yeah, are not okay. established Mark we're, and Francis. We're
1: still establishing that dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my, I think my Iowa 6 CD changer with dual cassette pointed like opposite her room, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure she still felt like all the kick-ass bass that was pumping out of those bad boys. Those speakers were huge and they were super heavy. But I think like for... Many of my teenage years, it was the it was the same six CDs. Like I, I forget, it was um, it was that Hatebreed record, the one after Under the Knife. The satisfaction, <laughs> Satisfaction's desire. desire was always in there. Of course, um, I always kind of kept uh, um, Earth Crisis's Breed the Killers in there because I I thought at some point I might end up liking it. <laughs> you know, like after like all the Victory stuff, and they went to Roadrunner. Yeah, playing. so I just right. kept it in because maybe it would come on. It would be cool because I let everything play. I always kept Cannibal Corpse's Butchered at Birth in there pretty much. Like that was like constantly in that player. I I thought that (laughs) record was amazing, like super theatrical and um, I think an Insane Clown Posse CD (laughs) made its way in there pretty often. Um, That
0: was an overlap. That
1: that last slot always had in my CD player, always had something that like Frank and I kind of agreed on. Like the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was like almost always in it. Um, There was a lot of weird stuff that like a,
0: there are two tapes I remember you playing in the car because Mark would drive me to school. He would drop me off because the junior high was on the way to the high school. So he would drop me off on the way. And there were mm-hmm. two tapes I remember being like happy about him putting on. And that was Bad Religion and catch 22
1: like, oh, yeah. a nice is, a, is still a good record i i don't know how like ska snuck into the whole pop punk hardcore hard thing but it did and i bought into it really hard yeah. i think I I mean, it might have been the that...
0: only shows going on around yeah. us too It was like you know six ska bands at the fire hall
1: i
5: it was the it was the sample cds man you guys like, grew up uh in like rural pennsylvania right
1: yeah uh, like suburban new jersey rural pennsylvania like kind of half mm-hmm. and half Dude, Breed the
3: Killers is a very interesting choice for Earth Crisis records. <laughs>
1: yeah, because I loved more season ends, right. and I loved uh, Destroy the Machines, and I, I loved all those records. But like, I was like, I'm not giving up on Earth Crisis, man. <laughs> and then, I, I think it killed it for me when I saw them... I forget who they... Pl- oh, they headlined a show with In Flames. Yes, I was at that tour in Cleveland. <laughs> I was they, so into In Flames. When I went, they opened for In Flames, and I was bummed because I went to see Earth Crisis. Uh, well, see, I... I I don't remember. I went through an In Flames phase and I don't remember what show started it. Inflames and Children of Bodom. I'm like, I was just like, Oh, these are the greatest bands. And pretty much all of that, like Gothenburg stuff. I was like super into it. And, uh, I went and I saw Inflames and they blew my brains out. And then uh, I feel so bad. Like they're musicians, like to say anything negative about someone's art is a bummer but like earth crisis got up in a room there with people have talked to talk bad about people's art all the time. <laughs> I, it's not even that it's bad they just got up there and it was just it was kind of tired you yeah. know what i mean um i loved them they were groundbreaking and it's just for like sure. th- in flames came out and they were and they were super energetic and they were on point and earth crisis came out and seemed like they weren't stoked to be there or something it just like didn't it's hard to explain it didn't click for me that was probably a weird tour for them too, because I, sure. I mean they're so used to touring with all those victory bands, and I think that was such a different audience. And I know they were trying to. I love that we're spending this time talking about Earth Crisis. This <laughs> is awesome. But I, they were. I think they were in a weird place. Slither came out after that, and that record was totally weird, totally yeah. nuts. Like, I just
3: got something new from Earth Crisis, and it was them like re-recording songs from All Out War.
1: Like oh, that songs. record was crazy. I love that record. I love the band that came from that record. <laughs> like, oh man, All Out War was like one of my favorite bands at yeah. the time too. It was crazy. <laughs> Francis,
5: what is your favorite Earth Crisis
1: record? <laughs> right into the mic. Can you hear that?
5: Um, well, okay, but that does make a very good point, which is that like you are listening to is a firestorm this... coming. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. A fire oh, I have that on seven inch. To... Um, but so anyway, so what were you listening to around this time when Mark was in his super hardcore?
0: Uh, so when I was, you know, fifteen, and Mark would drive me into the city with his friends. Um, he'd be kind enough to take me <laughs> along.
1: It was cool to have you. Uh, <laughs>
0: That's fun. I was desperate to have music that he didn't know about that was mine. So I remember going through this desperate period where I would just like go to a CD store and be like, this looks good, and just take like take whatever. Um, I picked up an Audio Learning Center CD. At one point, I was like, I don't think he knows about this. And I played Marley. Yeah, I know all about that. Like, <laughs> I ended up liking... I would <laughs> most embarrassing... I um, I was familiar with like Tooth and Nail Mm -hmm. records, so I picked up a a CD by a band called Craig's Brother.
5: Okay, and I was like, "This is my band. This
0: is the band that I. This is my thing. That is mine. And you have nothing to do with it."
1: You um, wasn't Reliant K another one?
0: Uh, well, I went to a a Christian festival one time with a friend to Mm. meet boys. (laughs) I was super.
1: How'd
5: that go?
0: I made out. (laughs) Nailed it.
1: So. Tooth and nailed it. Am I right, dude? Tooth and nailed it. Jeez. Well done.
0: Um, was a part of that whole.
1: I I just want to real quick clar- clarify because I'm sure you're getting like this picture in your head of who I was back then. Like,
0: dude, I'm giving a way worse clear picture. <laughs> no, yours is great.
1: Explain yeah. what jinkos are because I wore them too. See, I wasn't the. I had some friends that only listened to five hardcore bands, and they were like, it was like American Nightmare and stuff that sounded like American Nightmare, and that was it. And I. They were all like big dudes and jockey, and I was like super skinny, and I had just gotten out of glasses, and I loved corn and the Deftones too. So like the first couple of hardcore shows that I went and saw like Hatebreed and like this local band called Problematic. And Canderia played every show back then, and I loved them. Yeah,
5: Candiria was just like I feel like there were four of them, and they opened every show in the hardcore in
1: the like the tri-state area for. Like three years. I can't, I don't think I can explain how many times that I've seen Candirio, Walter Jericho, Ensign, and, uh, um, oh, All Else Failed. I've seen them (laughs) a hundred times. Yeah. Um, cause they, they open for every band, but like I did not fit in. I, I liked to mosh, but I looked weird. Like I had this like turtle effect and I like wore like, weird co- i had like corn patches and i like made my own clothes it like didn't work out for me it was weird like like i get the Jinko's, but i get the really extreme ones that were totally not okay like i could fit Most a two liter- were pretty extreme dude, mine were too- i used to have that was p- another thing i could put a two liter bottle of soda in my
3: back pocket you could not see it my friend's mom was a tailor and i would get the biggest jinkos and then cut them up to here and yeah. put in more fabric oh
5: wow dude, <laughs> so would, like
3: pimp out mine super yeah. imaginative yeah. i know i love that Pimp
5: my jinkos would be a great idea for a tv show yeah it's true but it's
3: funny because my sister and me were into really different music but she also liked bad religion like that was one Mm -hmm. of the bands or like i'd go to the show and buy her Mm t-shirt but she was really into like sarah (laughs) mclaughlin and like jewel dude
0: me too yeah i kind
1: of like that um, stuff she liked that was cool
0: i have drawings from when i was like 12 that i just took out of like circus magazine or like CD art. I have like a drawing of Jewel, and then like a drawing of Fiona Apple, and then I also have a drawing of Adam Sandler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're good.
0: So I had that. I got, I bought that. What the hell happened to me? Uh, yeah, CD. That's, yeah,
1: that's a classic. Yeah. Fatty McGee. Yeah, we listen to that a lot.
0: Um, no, but the uh, the first thing that I got, the first album that I got that felt like that I felt like was a piece of like I don't know art in a way like like I just never heard anything like it and I related it to it in this way that wasn't just like you know because when I, when you're a kid it's like you understand pop songs you know like my dad would put the proclaimers on and I would just immediately understand I'd be like this is I know music is great <laughs> um but then I felt like I went through this period in like elementary school middle school where I just didn't understand like what I, I don't know. I was like developing my relationship with music. So I had these mixtapes tape, mix with like Natalie Merchant and then Prodigy and then Cake. Like I just, yeah. you know, was just finding myself. But I was in a CD store. We were like staying at my dad's and he would take us to Compact Disc World uh, in North Jersey. And they were playing um, Slater Kinney. The self titled in the store, and I just was like, What is this? And so I I immediately bought it, like, as soon as I heard it, and I brought it home and I showed it to my dad, and he's like, Oh, yeah, I have it. It's like right over there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I found like Bell and Sebastian CDs in his collection later, and uh, Pixies, like, he had a ton of Pixies stuff. Um, But yeah, I think that was the first band that I heard. Like, I I heard this form of expression Mm. that I just didn't even know existed yeah. in music
5: it's weird know? when you can it's funny because you know you get older and you get like sort of passe about what you hear because like chances are you've heard something like it already you know when you're a kid like everything is new and exciting like everything rules you know like i remember the uh, the first time that i heard like somebody made me a copy of the minor threat discography. And I was like, you can just scream all the time, and that's music? Like, I want this, you know? That's amazing. But But yeah, you get older, and you kind of, like, lose that, that like, curiosity about new stuff. The
1: more you know, right? I mean, ignorance is bliss, sort of. Like, my teenage years were just desperate attempts to, like, find the heaviest breakdown. (laughs) and like that was it and you went right for earth crisis you were like yeah i
3: I, I felt like that that under the nice seven inch i felt like had the heavy because they were the first band i felt like they would do those crashes while it was like yeah like
1: the groove was so thick on those early records yeah it kind of got corny later but like no one was like they took punk and slowed it down and and had this thick bassy groove like it was the they're boston right the Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah. It was so close to the New York hardcore scene, which yeah. was so influenced by hip-hop. But they, you know, th- like all the Scarhead stuff and all those guys, but it was just, it had this bounce and like heaviness to it that I really loved. It was like super percussive. That's what I loved about it. Do it was you, simple. Do you think uh, new metal got kind of a bad rap? I, you were talking about bands whose discographies I respect, Deftones, mm. beginning to end. I love everything about that band. I have always loved them, their White ability. Pony is a cool record, for I, sure. They... They care about melody on this level. That's fantastic. Yet they want to be heavy and have song structure and hooks. Um, they're definitely one of those bands like that. New metal. I I loved that first Slipknot record, but I think it was what you said basically about not knowing enough. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like once I kind of understood the thing that wrecks a lot of this music for people is the lyrics. Right? They're silly. Right. Yeah. I it's not that i'm ignoring them i don't it takes me so long there, i've listened there's like saves the day records where i listen to front to back a thousand times i have no idea what the lyrics are. right 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 but i can play them you know i i never really got caught up in the lyrics i guess that's why death metal and all that stuff was okay with me because it was just about like the percussive nature and the drive of the songs that i just never really picked up on and i think it ruined a lot of the music for frank that i would show her i'd be like this is great and and then I would kind of realize, oh, these lyrics are terrible. Like, yeah,
0: it wasn't so much the lyrics; it just sounded like pure aggression, like just yeah, unadulterated aggression. A, and I didn't really have any place for that as much. It had I a mean, a lot of
1: energy that worked its way out that way, right?
0: I I don't know. I, that, but but I mean, but I also picked up stuff like you know, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about like when we're 14 years old i mean i I would mow the lawn listening to the great malenko like (laughs) i'm like i'm not kidding and that but i really like i don't know i liked for some reason i was like really into ridiculous theatrical stuff when i was younger like i was a pretty like dramatic kid but there was something about like hardcore music that just never clicked with me it just didn't feel like it was like, for me it didn't it didn't feel like i was yeah something i could be a part of
5: a lot of that music not to like peg anybody but like you know a lot of that is very like angry dude centric like yeah. if you're like a pissed off 14 year old boy earth crisis is gonna be amazing to you because like yeah. you're just mad at the world like and in, in a way that's like i don't know what my emotions are i'm just angry like you know um, Even Saves but,
0: the Day and Dashboard Confessional, they're oh. all mad at this woman. Right, <laughs> all yeah. these songs are just like, you're a but, horrible person. You know,
5: it's really funny. Like, I, I don't, w- well, you have had Chris on the podcast from Saves the Day. He, yeah, yeah, he's, That was one of actually my favorite ones. But he, uh, if you ever ask him about all that stuff, about that aggression, he's like, I just want to be clear, like, I am not hangry at women at all, like, that was a frustration with myself, like, I, you know, like, that's all, like, me dealing with my, like, inner conflict, and, and I was like, Ugh. Well, I liked
0: it back then, like, I didn't understand, you know, until later that, you know, I was, I was an outsider, it's so weird, I didn't really, I think there's a lot of things I didn't process when I was younger, uh, that are definitely strange to me now. You know, when I listen to a lot of songs now, and I just think like, oh, this one's about a woman who's an awful person. This one's about, you know, a heartbreaker and, mm-hmm. you know, a thoughtless woman. I, I just didn't, that stuff didn't, I was just like, yeah, breaking up, getting broken up with sucks. And I mean.
3: I feel like I would always just like, whenever there's a song about a dude or something, if I was listening to, I don't know, whatever, like Discount or something, I would just always flip it in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll just... If- I'll do gender, change, but, like, I guess I would always just ignore the pronouns or something.
1: That makes sense. Maybe that's
3: just, just a, maybe N- that it's that also like so many of the songs are about girls that it's like easier for me or something. No, I, yeah, Probably, I, I would, you would want to yeah, make it
1: personal to, or either that or make it universal depending on what, what part of the song. But you're it, it's
5: to. like what you were saying with your songs, how you put this album out there and it's kind of, you know, it's yours, but then once you put it out there, it just kind of people interpret it their own way. And it's kind of the same thing with with songs that are about like you're saying, like, oh, this was about a bad person or this was about this. It's kind of like when you when you're in a in an emotional state because of something and you hear a song, like you just like absorb it as reflecting on that. Like if you're like going through a bad breakup and you hear a sad song, yeah. even if it's not specifically about a breakup, you're like, oh, this person gets me. Like it's about this, you know, and you kind of like absorb it in your own way, I guess. Well when you're
0: younger, you're just more absorbent yeah. of oh, anything. Yeah. For sure. Honestly. Like anything that I mean I remember being fourteen and really mad, you know, but being a, an angry girl is just I just think it's got it's pretty different from being an angry boy because there just wasn't I didn't know how to manifest it and I didn't even know exactly, you know, I mean <laughs> I'm gonna start talking about my periods, get weird. <laughs> uh, but you know, Finally, imagine being well, we a girl that's only been having her period for headphones. four years. Like it's all still fucked up. Like right. it's so fucked up. uh Beep. So, oh yeah, Well this is a podcast. Who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's fine.
5: It's just some podcast. Yeah, I swear, yeah. your goddamn ass off.
0: No, I mean, like it's not gonna be. You know, you can do whatever. Yeah, we post. Can
5: t- yeah, we can do whatever you want. You can pitch shift our Put voices. Put a donkey sound <laughs> there. Totally. Yeah can Wait, but it. so, okay so this is like a good lead into so i feel like now we have a very good picture of you you both in the high school years so how did you like eventually because you didn't really play music together um for a long time right how did that eventually come about
0: well i went away for a while i mean we both moved out he moved mm-hmm. out first but i moved away to baltimore
1: i saw so little of her when she was in college
0: um mm. that was just such an important time for me to like develop myself and write for myself. Uh and play to people that had no idea who I was, you know. I mean, I went when I left home, I basically changed my name. I mean, in high school, middle school, I went by my first name. Mm-hmm. And I felt like people would say my name all the time and not be talking to me. So when I went away to school, they they sent me this application for a dorm room and that on the application it said what would you prefer to be called and i was just like oh my god <laughs> just like francis like
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
0: then from then on it's crazy how like that's my name now when i think about it uh but those four years that i had to write and paint and um play guitar were really important i don't know for my building myself up as feeling like I had something to say, that I had something to add. And so, you know, Mark had been playing his instrument much longer than I've been playing mine. I've only been playing guitars since I was 16, really. Mm -hmm. And you've been playing since you were like nine years old, 10 years old.
1: Initially it just started as my parents got divorced, so I got a drum set. (laughs) <laughs> and I, and I, which was awesome yeah, right? right. And, I, and I could play it as loud as I wanted and I totally took advantage of that but I, I don't think I t- started like actually using it for creating music until I was like 13 14
0: hmm. but I just think we needed that I don't know it's crazy how much closer we got after we moved out yeah. of the house um, and then having after those four years being able to come together then I mean and, and it was really a process I mean playing together was such a it took a long time for us to figure out how to play together. It wasn't like an immediate like.
1: I thought I seriously thought you were supposed to break symbols all the time, right? Like, it was tough to kind of translate the okay here like two step blast beat breakdown. Like this is kind of what I have right, you know? right. and then this is try my and, arsenal of like tricks, right? Yeah. And, and it was so limited, and trying to turn that into something else was a challenge. But I, I think I, I mean I understood that it was about serving the song that like frank was giving me and that that was my new challenge rather than like being a teenager and going hey everybody look this is what i can do and trying to control the crowd with two steps and and make them dance like that's Mm -hmm, essentially mm -hmm. what the music i was playing was was like trying to make the crowd do stuff and this was this whole new challenge that i really loved but we got i mean she went away to college she came back this like amazing person that always existed but i never i took for granted until she was gone you know, So she came back and I, I, her art was amazing and I loved Freshman Year. I was crazy about that record. I still am. And I would go to see her live and bring... Uh, I brought uh, Courtney at the time. She was my girlfriend. That, um, we had just started dating and I was like, yeah, I want her to see how great my sister is and how well she plays music. It'll be great. This will be really good for my relationship. Frank gets into the first song and I start ugly crying in front of this girl <laughs> that I have not known for a long time. Uh, but... You know, I I always thought our art was great. I always respected it. My bands fell apart. I went, you know, well, what the hell am I going to do? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And Frank was like, you want to jam? And I was like, okay. And we jammed and we brought, I think Dom was at the Dom first was one. In the fir-
0: Dom was like in- <clears throat> insisted that we start a band. And Dom was already
1: so musically developed at that time about like how he played his instrument and what kind of songs he wanted to He's write. He's an
0: amazing guitar He's player. He's an
1: amazing guitar player. So... You know, I, after we all jammed together, I could see that he was like, whew, that was rough. You know, like, it was it was a learning experience. I, did, I had to clean up my act fast.
0: Well, and also when we started, I just took songs that I'd written in college. I mean, all mm-hmm. the songs we were playing were songs that I'd written on my own. So we had to figure out how to play those. I mean, we didn't start writing together until get disowned really i mean that was the first time it was really a collaboration and not just here's the song you know so we got to figure this out
1: you've always you've always had a knack for being like a band leader band member i mean laments like was easy like that's
0: the oldest song i ever wrote i know and
1: it's still it's already on it now it demanded (laughs) years ago other instruments and drums like i could hear it immediately it was great you know and she's always kind of been like that where she wrote in this way that you could definitely elaborate on if you mm-hmm. wanted to but it was still beautiful as done as simply as it could be done it was diverse and easy to i could hear it in my head i could hear what what we could do to it or with it with her old, uh, old songs
5: but when it's funny because when it comes together and i'm not at all saying that you know only dudes like dumb heavy hardcore and only women like singer songwriter uh female you know but at the same time like there does seem to be that like perfect balance where it's like this is a thing that's like masculine and feminine like it sounds very heavy at points but it's like very emotional and personal and it's like maybe that's why i've when i saw you guys last week felt like a pretty even split in the
1: crowd um gender wise yeah that crowd is i love the way i'm gonna make an analogy real quick i love When things are evenly masculine and feminine, I think that that gives you the most to work with, rather than pigeonholing it in any way. For an anniversary present for this year, Courtney made me this workstation, and Mm -hmm. it's a desk and a little cabinet, and it's like super and it's this clear acrylic chair, and it's like super masculine, like modern masculine looking. But she like has a little clock and a cactus and and like these three little baskets and. I was just like, this is perfect. You know, these the I don't I love when things come out like androgynous that way because everyone can identify with it and it's fun and no one's excluded. And I think one of my favorite parts about playing shows is looking out onto our crowd and seeing like mixed genders, mixed, mixed ages. I don't personally know how it happened, but I love it.
0: I think. Well, first of all, I think that those those boundaries are kind of being obliterated at this point masculine and feminine Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. i don't
5: we were just talking before you got here about that androgynous cover with laura jane and miley cyrus this is such an amazing cover but yeah sorry
0: no no totally i i mean i i know women that were totally into the hardcore scene mm -hmm, like in dc mm -hmm. like where it began you know i don't mean to say like i am i am just a meek person You know, it's not so much, I feel like for the two of us, it's not as much, I mean, there is the, you know, growing up a boy and growing up a girl are Mm -hmm, two very different, mm -hmm. there's two very different, you know, systems imposed upon you, but personality wise, we're just so different in how we express ourselves. You know, I'm a very confrontation, like gives me like anxiety, you know, so I'm a very, just as a person kind of try to stay out of that and yeah I don't know I just have a smallness
5: to me that's like just
0: innate that I feel you know like a little more like private maybe and Mm
5: -hmm. so when you when you are playing live is that cathartic is that like does that compensate for other areas in your life where you feel like you're not loud enough
0: (laughs) Well, it's just the one form of expression that I feel like I do properly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like day to day, I go to bed so many nights just thinking of all the things I wish I hadn't said or done, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and playing a show is like the one time where I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be and I'm doing, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing and making art, you know, painting is like that too, Mm -hmm. but
3: yeah I'm so used to playing shows and just seeing so many dudes <laughs> right yeah you draw you draw a dude
5: heavy audience dude <laughs> pretty dude, <laughs> <Main-footed> dude heavy <laughs> I don't
1: what is it about screaming where it's like i I never found it to be like aggressive, I mean like Jeff like screams in your band right I yeah. Mean, it's not. It's like percussive. It yeah. takes all the melodies gone. It's just like drums. It's like per- all just about the percussive nature of the vocals. I never. Maybe it's because it, I never. It's really listened to It's probably more the, the
0: atmosphere than it is the music. The I and mean, there's a lot definitely. of women yeah. that love those bands, but maybe they don't feel as welcome at the shows. Totally. You know? That's. Totally I mean, there's, yeah, there's I was dudes that act like you aren't welcome here. You know, yeah. I mean, if if you want to like, if you're punching the air, there's probably yeah. just people that are willing to or want to be able to take a punch and. Women were just not, I was not raised to take a punch, you know, <laughs> or throw punches, well, you know. It's interesting. In like a stick up for yourself kind of way, you know, like women just aren't raised and told to stick up for themselves in a physically imposing way. It's, you know, you're taught to be courteous and, you know, uh, never interrupt, like don't interrupt people. And it's, it's much less of a, you know, you got to hold your own and, you know.
1: The And the, the hardcore scene that I involved, was involved in was, it was still about like protecting women and like, oh, this woman's going to dance. Everyone, you know, move out of the way and let her do her thing. It was never like this equal, I don't know, because so much of that was like about fighting and weird stuff. And right. It would be like this song about, brotherly love and, and loving each other and equality and everyone was punching each other. It was really weird. Well, yeah.
3: What I've noticed is weird too is like when I was younger, like when I was like 15, 16, I would go to those shows and stand right next to the pit and not be scared at all. Like people are like getting punched in the face like mm-hmm. two inches. Now it's like if I'm on the other side of the venue, I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> yeah. terrified. This is
1: going to increase my health insurance premium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, like right. my hip hurts already. Like I cannot afford to go to the hospital.
3: What's it like um, sort of with the Saddle Creek thing? Like obviously like such like a, not to feed Rob's Go more, but like such legendary label, like, you know, obviously been a launching pad for so many bands that have gone on to do so many amazing things, like Tim and Connor and all that stuff. I mean, what's mm-hmm. it like sort of being a part of that? Because it almost feels like maybe you guys are part of like a different wave, like that happened kind of a while ago. And now it seems like, how does that sort of feel? any? Were you a fan of a lot of those bands?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I had the, I mean, let's see mark gave me the uh bright eyes ep that had um messenger bird on it and i really loved that song and then i went away to this like art uh camp basically when i was 17 and i met this girl named Molly, and she's like no 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 you need to hear this album and she like showed me fevers and mirrors and then somebody else at the i mean i went to this uh place in uh, this like college in erie for like Five weeks and there were all these actors and writers and painters that were all like 17, 16 years old. And that's where I, you know, first heard a lot of stuff for the first time. And um, that's where I heard. Uh, oh.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You good? Sweet. Rob, you good? You
0: That's where I heard Rilo Kylie for the first time and I got um the split between like sun ambulance and bright eyes and i got this the saddle creek 50 and i just like immediately like i'd never i didn't know anything about um people putting their music out themselves i just didn't know anything about you know i didn't know anything about matador emerge or kill rock stars or k records or anything i saddle creek was my first introduction and it was such a I, I immediately became aware of it. These people all knew each other and they were on each other's records and it was like this collective effort and I was so enamored with that. And it was like the first time I wanted to know the story about like the story behind how things are made, you know? Because before that, I mean, I wasn't like looking into anybody's story. I just I just listened to the albums. I just had a relationship with the album. And I didn't even really think about what that relationship was. It was very surface level for me for a while, you know, with music. I feel like I had a surface level relationship. I'm sad. I'm going to listen to this sad song. I'm feeling pissed. I'm going to listen to,
5: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Annie DeFranco.
5: Especially like, you Frank. know. Pre- <laughs> Which I
0: love. I mean, I love Aunt. right. <laughs> but especially so like cool. in a
5: pre, pre, almost, you know, burgeoning internet time. Everything wasn't readily available. I mean, like. I liked Nirvana, and I knew what I saw of him on interviews and things like that, but like I couldn't follow Kurt Cobain on Twitter and see him post pictures of his cat God, every that day. would
1: have been so weird. And now <laughs> you
5: can now you can just like follow um, whatever music you're into on Instagram or whatever, and you kind of get a glimpse as to who these people are. but I, when we were growing up, I feel like I speak for all of us when I say that like it was just you just took the art at, at face value yeah you know? I would write letters. so (laughs) much of it was based on
1: your imagination too just judging the art like what these people were right Yeah, yeah yeah
0: i mean i had no idea i had no idea of like what it's like to be you know in omaha making a record but i had so much fun thinking about you know making something entirely myself you know i mean i was listening to like uh letting off the happiness and reading about it just like on a four track and then my brother andrew like gave me his four track and I just was like, I could do whatever I want. I could do anything I want. And I just that just had never occurred to me in that way. I guess I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't really thought about when I was younger, I just thought about writing, you know, I didn't really think about trying to make copies of anything. But I mean and then at the same time I heard, you know, the moldy peaches and I heard um, I guess I came to like Daniel Johnston later, but There's just something about the idea that you could, that it's also a documentation. It's like a documentation of where you are because these people are so young too. They weren't like, when you listen to the radio, everything's so cleaned up and it's almost ageless, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, obviously we market um, youth and nobody really, I don't know. Bands like you know, I, I used to listen to that song "Creep" all the time when I was little, and that, that that was a young band. But I didn't think about it was so pristine and perfect that you don't think about where somebody is in their life. They're like away from you. They're untouchable. But when you hear something, and there's like you hear the vulner, yeah, you hear the vulnerability of in the lyrics because they're young lyrics, and you hear mistakes, and you hear hiss, and just like just very real imperfections and there's just such a i don't know that like that touched me hearing that um
1: rob was beep beep on saddle creek do you remember the beep beeps on ambulance tour (sighs) yeah uh uh-oh no i i I remember (laughs) like thinking saddle creek was pretty on point when i went to that you know i used to love beep beep
3: I don't think I I don't I barely remember them.
1: I was into like all that like punk like aggressive dance kind of music. Okay. Except for the Refused somehow, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I didn't it didn't click with me, uh, but everything else. It's really weird. I ended up liking them much more later. Good label. <laughs> <laughs> What's
5: your favorite Saddle Creek release, even though I've asked you this? Before.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a, well, I I'd, I'd probably go back and forth between um, the faints wet from birth and cursive ugly organ. What well, the first time when wet from birth came out and I saw them at this club in Philly, I was blown away. Right. It was so loud and so heavy, and um, Todd was such a such a showman. He had this crazy outfit on. It was it was like these DIY like punk rock stars. Like it was amazing. It's funny that it's funny that you say like
5: wet from birth because for me I remember like the huge commotion being made about dance macabre and mm-hmm. i still think that album is amazing but i just remember that one just being like like they made a queer turn on who yeah. they were and it was a, this new crazy awesome thing
1: I, that i think that that one's more of a developing sound in my opinion mm-hmm. to, whereas like wet from birth is like this is who they always were meant right. to become you know that that record was just the peak of like punk dance music it was for me it was really amazing i can i can still listen to that record whenever i want and when i go back to dance macabre it's like it's just from it just sounds a little dated to me mm-hmm. in a way like it sounds like they were moving on to this thing that they were becoming and that i can and wet from birth just sounds like pretty timeless at this point
5: so a quick story about rob when i uh when the 10-year anniversary of um ugly organ came out which is also one of my favorites. Um, I interviewed. Everybody, like Tim kosher and everybody that worked on that record, and I interviewed Rob, and I was like, "So, how many copies did that sell?" And I think he said something like one hundred and seventy thousand or one hundred thirty thousand, or something. And I was like, "Wow! Like, talk about that! Isn't that crazy?" And he was just like, "Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Like, so blase about it. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Chris's tr- best-selling
3: record until Tim came on."
5: Yeah, that's yeah. like one of the, your top three, right? That um lifted Bright Eyes and uh Dance Macabre? Yeah, I mean Wide Awake. It's Wide Awake, yeah, that's, uh, yeah oh, right. that's the number one, yeah. If you, you have to start to exclude some of the Bright Eyes records. and then Right, right, right. Yeah. Is Wide
3: Awake and, and Digital Ash, are those way different numbers-wise? Because I always consider those albums kind of... Or wait, I bought them
1: together. Yeah, As Me too. As I
5: think you were supposed to do, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. They came out on the same day, but um, I might have Napstered it. <laughs>
5: over the years, you know, wide awake.
3: Is gotcha. I would say my favorite records on Settle Creek. Not that anyone cares. I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so on, talk on. to me. I'd say Good Life Blackout because that had a lot of the electronic stuff on it, mm-hmm. and, and but I thought it was and the last Denova record, you might right, already be Dreaming. Oh, those records are both really depressing. But okay. really I think Jake Bellows is so, such an amazing songwriter. Ooh. What about you Francis?
0: Um I know before I said that split and like yeah. this is a total cop out I really loved the Saddle Creek 50 um compilation. Yeah. I know but that's a cop out answer but like my favorite answer. my favorite song on that whole compilation is um by a band that band now it's overhead called wonderful uh, wonderful scar that was like my favorite song for a really long time. And then there's like those two Azure Ray songs that are really good. And then there's like a, a B side of Rilo Kylie's like Jenny You're Barely Alive mm-hmm. that I really liked. And then there's that band May Day. I liked their songs as well. I don't know, I just really liked and I like it came with these like came with these really dumb videos <laughs> <laughs> also. And I watched them all. There was like a karaoke video and it. There's like a video of a couch. <laughs> <On>
3: the... <laughs> Do you remember when CDs would come out and they'd be like bonus edition has like a screensaver? <laughs> I loved something.
5: it. I like. I just
0: wanted. I just wanted to like. I wanted to experience
1: all of it. I like. That's funny, dude. Yeah, so weird, And now uh, you're on Saddle Creek. <laughs> so many weird CD like memories that I have. The like walking around the store holding the handles of those really long <laughs> things, just like <laughs> holding yeah. them with me. Like I am so stoked. I spent thirty minutes picking this out because it's seventeen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I feel like we'd
5: be remiss um, if we didn't address one thing in this podcast, which I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially since that Vulture piece ran, is um, just any review that you're ever going to get seems to make mention of your voice because it's such a winchpin of your sound. I have no idea what the question is that I'm working (laughs) towards. But does does that bother you to keep hearing about... like? Does it bother you to be like, oh, this woman has a great voice. God, that must be terrible. But is it, like, annoying to hear it over and over again, or?
0: No, the only thing, you know, uh, I mean, I I love compliments. It's great. (laughs) I really can't stand people. Yeah, right. No, I, you know, there's people that are worried about my voice, uh, deteriorating, which Mm. I'm sure it is. You can hear it. Uh, but the one thing that I, you know, well-meaning advice, you know, you should learn how to sing differently. You should sing more like, actually, I played an open mic. I'll never forget it. It was over 10 years ago in Baltimore. When I first moved to Baltimore, I was like, I'm going to play an open mic. Mm-hmm. And I went and I played. I'm sure it was bad. And afterwards, this man came up to me. This older man came up to me. and was like, well, you should listen to more listen to Williams. And I wanted to be like, screw off, old man. Like... <laughs> uh leave me alone (laughs) and then i you know then five years later i listened to listen to williams and i loved it um no i mean it's a part of it's it's a part of my identity that playing if somebody criticizes my guitar player i'm like yeah i'm like not a great guitar player who cares you know but my voice is like so it's a part of me Mm. you know so there's you know i know that there's people that can't stand it uh and that's fine i mean i've put on i was driving too eerie one time with three of my friends and I had just graduated high school and I was I still am like super you know self-conscious about like people liking what I like you know if I put I don't know if you ever like put a movie on um one time oh my god one time I put Buffalo 66 on to watch with my dad (laughs) Cause I love that movie and mm-hmm. I wanted my dad to like it. And as soon as I turned on, I was like, this is the worst movie <laughs> in the world you could watch with your, pa- like, why right. am I doing this? And I felt so uncomfortable and bad and I know he didn't like it, <laughs> but I was listening. I was with my friends in the car and I put on airplane over the Sea" Cause it was just my favorite record. And I wanted to share this moment with my friends and, um, that, uh, I love you. Jesus Christ song came that, on. Yeah. And my friend was just like, what is this God awful music? And I just like, shrunk and it's like stay with me like it's just so funny how um certain opinions just stay with you forever i'll listen to it it's like "Ah, nick hates this song
5: (laughs) yeah that is a that's a weird thing that i've never heard vocalized before but that's completely true well you
0: you're everything when, when you're younger when i was younger it was so personal to me it was so a part of everything that i loved was so a part of who i am like i remember being mad if anybody in high school says anything about the bands I like, I don't know if you remember, like like, if it was that way for you, but I was like, Oh yeah. What record do you have? Well, I have these records. Did you go to that show? Yeah. I didn't think you went to that show. Like, (laughs) you know, just being a little asshole. (laughs) about it. But I'd like to think that as I'm older now that it just doesn't, I mean, it's music, you know, people, really good people. I'm sure there's really good people out there that aren't going to like our band. And it's, fine you know we're just i'm just doing this we're doing this i mean uh it's amazing that we can play in a room to people that want to be there you know i don't feel like that i don't ever feel like we're in a room to playing for people that feel like they're supposed to be there or something like we're the band to see or something i just think that they are people that want to see us and that i'm just so grateful for that you know i think that's like the main thing that i'm trying to like keep in mind you know every time we play every time we play a show it's a reminder and that is such a we are so lucky to have that you know mm-hmm. like I know some bands that have difficult times with like with their fans maybe like there's a difficult relationship there for some bands but we just don't have that mm-hmm. we have such a good relationship with people that come to see us yeah, like
1: I, I'm, I'm so grateful for that exact point like how because Get to Zone came out on such a small scale that many people are really really personal and protective over that record you know mm-hmm. and so so many fans have been it's hard to so many fans have been willing to share us on Painted Shut with people who have never heard us before mm-hmm. that makes me really really happy because I listen to so many bands where like it was about this is mine this band is mine and then they put out a, a more you know large scale record and everyone would hear it and I would go well it's not mine anymore this really sucks like you guys don't know but everyone's been really willing to share us after Get This Owned and transitioning into painted It which I really, I'm super grateful for. Well, it had to for.
5: have been, because again, like it was just self-release and it was such a word of mouth mm-hmm. record. I had such a funny moment with you, with with the both of you, um, last year <clears throat> when, uh, we were at that last Bon the Music Industry show and, uh, Mikey Erg was there, Mikey Erg okay. of, of every band in the world fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it was such a weird moment because like he came over and I was like, Oh Mark, this is Mikey. Mikey, this is Mark. And you two like introduce and then like you walked he walked away and you were like, dude, that's Mikey Jurg. And then like I talked to Mikey later and he was like, That's Mark from <laughs> that's <laughs> like so weird. Such a weird mutual that's admiration. Super weird. It was
1: very adorable. I have a really funny story. But he anyways, but he's a big advocate of that, yours, as is Carlton. Guy's so talented, it's like in his blood to just be a great songwriter. Um I don't remember... So, do you talk about your, like, jaded Twitter? Like, is do people know? Is that not a thing? Okay. Well, like, on a super secret Dan Ozzy joint Twitter account, <laughs> at Fest, um, I, we had played and I had drank way too much all weekend and partied too much. And I was on, like, the side stage at, eight, at uh, I think it was called 8 Seconds, that venue. Yeah. Right, and I was on the side, and I was just like, "This, like, on the thing, like, I like look Mexico. I'm watching, uh. and I, I followed you. I'd followed this account on Twitter, and I just saw like I was the only one on that like railing, and I just saw like, well, somebody fested way too hard side stage at eight seconds. I was like, oh, this who was this jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. I think Who was like, that, jerk? Who knows? It like, might not have been you, though, It right? probably wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? This is
0: a podcast. You can just put yeah. music over yeah, yeah. this section.
3: Well, wasn't that fun? Whew. Yeah. Brad, did you have a good time?
4: I had a great time. Yeah? With the Hop Along podcast. Yes. Uh, I don't know what my favorite part was. I'll let you know in the next intro. Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: Stay tuned next week for that update. Yeah, thank you so much to Francis and Mark for coming by. Check out Hopalong's record Painted Shut. It's awesome. Support Saddle Creek Records. Did you ever painted shut before? Painted shut. Uh...
4: You know, you paint the cabinets, you're lazy. Sh- no, it's but I ha- you know.
3: I haven't really painted a lot of stuff. Oh. If I did, I probably would. <laughs> However, you can fuck something up. I'd probably would find a way to do that for sure.
4: Paint it shut.
3: I love it. Um, thanks to Dan Ozzy for guest, you, guest hosting. Uh, check out his stuff at, over at Noisy. Um, he recently did a cover story on Refused where he traveled around with them. Pretty good. If you're a fan of Refused, that's probably something you'd want to read. Uh, what else? Um, check us out online, com. You can donate money if you want to help us pay for our... Our server costs, which would be helpful. Um, also, we're on Twitter. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, and if you're in a cool band, check out Converse Rubber Tracks. They're they're nice enough to let us record here, which is very cool. And they record unsigned bands for free. So go to converse.com slash rubber tracks and apply. If your band is good,
4: if you're not, it doesn't matter. If you're good, Jonah, if you think it's good, go do it. If what you if you're, you're in a
3: band and you think it isn't good? If you
4: have a band and you think you suck, then maybe you shouldn't apply. Yeah. If, also,
3: <laughs> if your band, if you don't think your band is good, no one else is going to. So maybe start a new band. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least you should think it's good, even if no one else does.
4: Yeah.
3: Or you should, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life, but it seems very <laughs> weird if you're like, are you in this band? Like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I write all the songs. It's terrible. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, maybe you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Don't put it on rubber tracks and me.
4: What about goth bands? Isn't that what they think?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm insecure about the stuff I create, but I'm not like, this is terrible.
4: <laughs> Most of the time. You think it's gr- somewhere inside you think it's awesome. Yeah, or else
3: why are you doing this? Right. I hope that this little rant has made you sort of want to reexamine what you're doing with your life. Because it definitely has for me.
4: Whether it's a band or otherwise.
3: Yeah. Maybe it's paint,
4: painting. Yeah. If you're painting those cabinets, take the hinges off.
3: Yeah. Or else you're going to paint them shut. Yes. Yeah. It's a good metaphor. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more very, very deep thoughts.